everybody, and welcome back to the Tipsy Ghosts. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey, guys. Hello. Well, in honor of our recent trip to Salem, I wanted to see, have you guys seen Hocus Pocus 2? I have not. Oh, my goodness. I have. What? Yeah. The roles have reversed. <laughs> have you? <laughs> I did. I watched oh. it last night. I've heard they fly on Roombas instead of brooms. My one, brother told me that. <laughs> one does, yes. Well, remember how Mary flew on a vacuum? Vaguely. I've seen it once. Oh I'm my so sorry. Gosh. Okay. Well. I will watch. I'm going to watch the first one again and then I'll watch the second one. I promise. Yeah. Before okay. Halloween. All right. Yeah, you got to do that because in the first one, she flew on a vacuum, like a tall so stand up vacuum. And now she's on Roombas and it's hilarious. Was it cute? It was adorable. I loved it so much. I watched it with Beckett and I was probably laughing more than I should. You but probably enjoyed like, it more than I him. know. I literally, I loved all the little jokes in there. I love their little songs that they did. I don't know. I just loved it so much. I probably loved it way more than you guys will. <laughs> or did. I don't know. What'd you think? Um, it was cute. Yeah. I was. <laughs> I, it's going to be nice. This is going to be a spoiler alert. No. Spoiler. Okay. I, Lindsay's not listening anymore. Okay. I was really disappointed that the main three were not in it. What? The main characters from the first one. What do you mean they weren't in it? Max? Oh, okay. I thought you meant the three witches. I Allison? was like, obviously they were. <laughs> no, okay. The other three main characters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I would be more disappointed with that, but I wasn't. I was okay with how they made it happen. <clears throat> it was fine. It was cute. Well, I found a quiz. So which Sanderson sister are you? It is. <laughs> I know you so well. <laughs> <laughs> Have you already taken it? I did. Which one are you? Or do you want to wait? She's going to wait. <laughs> I'm going to send it to you guys. Mm-hmm. Done. I'm Winnie. Wow. Winnie. It says some legends never die, including Winnie. As the eldest Sanderson sister, she's a natural leader who keeps the other two on track. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like well. her, you're powerful, smart, and all around fabulous. <laughs> Do I keep well, you guys on track? Really nice. <laughs> I don't think I'm a leader, but <laughs> what'd you get? I got Sarah. Oh, me too. Oh, look at that. I got Sarah also. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> what does it say for Sarah? As the most flirtatious and playful Whoa. Sanderson sister, Sarah knows how to have a good time. <laughs> sure, sometimes yeah, she's does. a little airheaded, but oh, wow. at the end of the day, is anyone else having as much fun? <laughs> Do you think that fits your witch personality? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> they called her airheaded. You think she's going to say yes? Absolutely. I'm not flirtatious. I, I would have said yes to I'm me. I'm not airheaded. <laughs> I'm all those things. So which one do you think you are then? Well, I, maybe I'm Mary. I don't know. <laughs> I got it. Mary. Drag that spotlight towards the middle child, Mary. Though it, seem, <laughs> though it might seem as if she fades into the background at times, she deserves the center stage for being so loyal, clever, and caring towards her sister. Like her, you're the kind of friend everyone would love to have by their side. I, I think that fits you. I am apparently Mary. Center stage. Which is a little insulting because she barks at people. But it's fine. I guess well, I can listen, start. They all have terrible qualities. I can start I barking. Say, they're, they're witches. <laughs> they're not supposed to be good. Winnie's not a very nice lady. No. And apparently that's me. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I didn't mean to hurt feelings. I was just trying to figure out a fun little quiz. And <laughs> now we're feeling down about ourselves. Seeing who is who. I thought that was cute. You are airheaded. Yes. <laughs> airheaded and flirtatious. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I got a story for you guys. Okay. We are going to Spain, and I'm going to apologize in advance because I am not going to pronounce this very well at all. España. Okay. okay. 
Good job, both of you. <laughs> we're going to the year 2001, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we are going to a town called Ortiguera, which is near the northern end of Galicia, Spain. Okay. Okay. I can picture it. All right. Two men get into a fight. One is a well-known drunken bully of the town, and the other is a young cancer-stricken man. Sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. One dies. Okay. Who dies? Uh, the the bully. Let's find out. All right. So you first, have to guess too. I, I didn't get to guess. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't tell you yet. So it's fine. Your two options are the cancer the stricken str- the uh, cancer stricken guy or the town drunk bully. Um. Well, I guess I'll go cancer stricken guy because I got to go opposite. Okay. That is a smart strategy. One of you will win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Salvador Lopez Tamiros, he is 22 years old. He was born in 1979 and had been fighting for his life since he was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 18. So he had been on disability because he was actually recently in remission, but he still had a morphine pump that was implanted on his torso um, so he could give himself morphine throughout the day. I didn't say what kind of cancer he had. I was kind of curious, but... So, like I said, he's 22. He's been diagnosed with cancer for four years now, so he's pretty underweight, pretty weak. He had been a normal, healthy teenager before the cancer diagnosis, but now he was so fatigued and hadn't really gotten his strength back. The bully is Enrique Dovale Pernez, who is 55 years old, so double his age. Old enough to not be a bully. <laughs> Old enough to know better. He should know better. Dang it. So he was well known in the many villages around the towns and was described as, quote, bad news. Mm, he was. That's how you know. <laughs> he was bad news. <laughs> he was physically aggressive and he would use this to intimidate others. He would drink often and also use drugs and would frequently get into fights when he was drunk. He was so violent that his own mother had left the village to get away from him because he threatened her life. And his mother and family all described him as being violent from a very young age. So he's not a nice person. <laughs> and it's bad news. he had been yeah. targeting Salvador for quite some time, making fun of him for his health and his cancer, which is just kind of the worst of the worst. How do you make fun of somebody for cancer? <laughs> just made fun of how small and frail he was. Oh my gosh. He even once tried to run him off the road with his car. I'm like, okay. He really is bad news. He is bad news. <laughs> bad news bears. Yeah. All right. So April 23rd, 2001. At around 9.45 p.m., Salvador rushes into the tavern, and he had been there drinking with some friends, and he had left about an hour before that. He was pretty shaken up and looked like he'd been in a fight and said he needed an ambulance immediately. So ambulance and police get there, and Salvador takes them to a small garden that's next to a rural road that led to his parents' house. And there was Enrique on the ground, unresponsive and bleeding profusely from his nose. Paramex tried to save him, but he had no pulse upon arrival and was pronounced dead on scene. Uh-oh. Boyd sounds right. Nailed it. Dang it. I love these games. So how did this happen? And this was the big question. Like we said, Salvador was pretty weak and small. And there's this big guy who's double his age who is a bully. And he's the one who's dead. So Salvador was very cooperative from the get-go, and he was even placed under arrest to give his statement. He said that he had been fishing near the river that evening and headed to the tavern for a drink. Enrique happened to be at the tavern as well and right away began to harass him like normally. Enrique was already drunk, which made him more violent, so he began to verbally assault Salvador, and witnesses at the tavern all testified that Salvador wanted nothing to do with him and was trying not to feed into it, just asked him to leave him alone. But Enrique did not stop. 
Again, he made fun of his cancer and his appearance. And finally, the tavern owner told Enrique to either shut up or leave. So Enrique left. Salvador stayed for a little bit, but then he left at around 9.15. He had his fishing gear and an umbrella. He starts heading home when Enrique ambushes him and prevented him from getting on the road to his parents' house. So he had basically been waiting for him. Salvador, again, tries not to engage and tries to get around Enrique, but it doesn't work. Enrique begins to punch Salvador, and he raised his arms to protect himself. Enrique then grabbed his shirt and dragged him out of the road and into the garden so he would not be seen by passerbys. So Enrique continues to beat him up. Um, but then Salvador starts noticing that Enrique is really focusing all of his punches on his torso where his morphine pump is. And Salvador realizes, oh crap, if he hits my pump, I'm dead. Because it would release massive uncontrolled dose of morphine into his bloodstream, which would kill him. So Salvador knew that he was basically fighting for his life at this point. So he starts fighting back. So he was punching with his left hand. And in his right hand, he had the closed umbrella that he was also using to hit him with. Salvador reports he doesn't remember what happened because everything was so chaotic. He does remember hitting him in the face with the umbrella. And he says Enrique stepped back, started bleeding from his nose, looking confused, and then just dropped. Was it the umbrella that has like a metal point on it or like one of the ones that you get from Walmart that's just like, you just snap it together? There's no end. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. <laughs> so Salvador realized he's injured, seriously injured, and that's when he ran back to the tavern to ask for help. And so the coroner examined the injuries on Enrique's body and determined his cause of death. It's a devastating brain injury. So the base of his brain had been stabbed literally through his nose they said something had pierced through the wall at the back of the nasal cavity hmm. there's your answer nailed it so police were confused at first because they were not looking at the umbrella way to focus on that though yes. <laughs> i'd be a great <laughs> terrible detective <laughs> because when salvador reenacted the fight for them and he even took them to the scene of the crime he never mentioned having any weapon that they thought would be sharp enough to do this and he wasn't strong enough to punch someone that hard in the nose and really, nobody besides the Hulk probably would have been strong enough to do that. <laughs> Jeez. But then they remembered the umbrella. So they took the umblo- umbrella. 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 I was going to sing it, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and they noticed it had a sharp aluminum tip on the top. And when they tested it, it had evidence that matched with Enrique's brain matter. Just the tip, though. Uh-huh. Just the tip. Not the tip. <laughs> and there was small bone fragments still left behind on it, too. Oh, boy. Damn. Mm-hmm. So they theorized, the police did, that Salvador had been throwing wild punches and had hit the umbrella with the tip driven into his nostril hard enough that it pierced his brain. Okay. So, trial. It's a really, like, accurate... It reminds me of a... What's the thing? What? Lobotomy? Oh, yeah, lobotomy. Lobotomies go in through the eye right here. I mean, your nose is really close to your eye. That's true. So. <laughs> but they do go in through that. The transnasal. Mm-hmm. It's a transnasal lobotomy. <laughs> but you're right. That's very, like, accurate. That's what I mean. It's not, like, a very big opening. And the force that it would take. When you were describing all that, at first I thought you meant that he shoved the umbrella through the back of his skull. Yes. Oh, no. Out his nose. Yes. <laughs> That's why he was bleeding from his nose. They said he stepped back, oh, was yeah. bleeding from his nose, and dropped. Okay. Mm. That makes more sense. Yes. I was like, man, how did they shove that through his skull? So Salvador, they go to trial. Salvador had been in jail during this whole investigation, and they set bail too high for him or his parents to pay because he was on disability from the government and, you know, 
was going through cancer treatment, so didn't have a lot of money. But locals around the village donated money and bailed him out, so he was free. Yeah, he took care of the village bully. Also, it's self-defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his neighbors also, furthermore, funded a good lawyer for him because originally he was just going to get one that was provided to him. Furthermore. Yeah. That sounded very fancy. And Thank furthermore. <laughs> He's got some good neighbors and some good friends. All right, yeah. so the trial starts on November in November 2002, about 19 months later. The prosecution asked for 18 months in prison for manslaughter charges and a repeat autopsy, which revealed that actually Enrique had been struck twice in that unusual manner. This meant that at least one strike was not accidental, as the defense claimed. I mean... To hit that same spot twice. If, listen, if somebody was, like, really attacking me like they were going to kill me... It's kind of like your fight or flight. Like, you yeah. don't know. Your mm-hmm. arms are just flailing. I might do it twice just to make sure they're not going to come after you again. I still say it's self-defense. Mm-hmm. So the prosecution focused on the amount of force that was needed to break that bone barrier at the back of your nasal cavity. They argued that the way Salvador explained it, which he was standing up and hit him, that it would be unlikely that the tip could cause that much damage. That's what she said. Thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I paused (laughs) just for you. I was drinking. I wasn't ready for it. (laughs) They said that it might cause bleeding, but it would have just pushed his head backwards and not punctured his brain. So they further argue that to achieve the result that he did, he would have had to have Enrique on the ground unconscious and stabbed him through the nose because then his head couldn't fall backwards and couldn't counter the pressure the tip put on the bone. Okay. Which I can see that. Like, you okay. think if you... Like, he's already laying down. Yeah, so if you he, hit someone in the nose, I mean, their head's going to go back and... Yeah. I just don't understand how he's going to render this man unconscious whenever he's so little and this guy's so big mm-hmm. to where he can... Well, he's now on a good opportunity. This guy's on the ground and unconscious. Now he can stab him through the nose. Yeah. A transnasal Twice. lobotomy. I just don't understand. <laughs> Times two. <laughs> with, the, with the umbrella. So the prosecution painted Salvador as someone who wasn't just using self-defense, but was using assault with a deadly weapon, which it's an umbrella, but okay. Um, they couldn't- Apparently, it's, <laughs> now we know it's deadly. Anything can be a deadly weapon but if you try hard enough. <laughs> further showing that Boydson should be a, a police detective, they could not explain how weak and fragile Salvador was able oh to gosh. even knock Enrique <laughs> unconscious for this theory to fit. Did you read this I am in the wrong profession. <laughs> You were just very good at asking questions. <laughs> so they said the same thing. They're like, but how would it be even gotten him unconscious to begin with? Yes. And they could not answer. Gracias, detectives. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured that he got like superhuman strength, like you said, fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Adrenaline. Just, mm-hmm. Which like, matches with he said he didn't remember a lot of it. Yeah. Because his brain probably blocked that out. So the defense had several locals called to testify as witnesses, and everybody spoke out about Enrique's history of violence and harassment and abuse towards Salvador. They said Salvador was very responsible and polite and had always tried to de-escalate the situations and never engaged when Enrique was harassing him. And they said that he never resorted to violence and was not a violent person. Even Enrique's family made statements in favor of Salvador. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. (laughs) That says something. So then the defense argues that they would go to the government for a pardon if he was found guilty of manslaughter. So the defense was like, listen, if you find him guilty, we're just going to go to the government and get a pardon. Yeah. Don't even try. So April 2003, the jury of eight peers unanimously declared that Salvador was not guilty of manslaughter. 
They said that the attack from Enrique placed him in what Spanish criminal law calls, quote, a situation of insurmountable fear in which Salvador was psychologically unable to respond in such a way to consider less lethal ways to defend himself due to the risk on his own life. Otherwise known as Mm -hmm. Mm self-defense. After the trial, Salvador was acquitted free of all charges. He told the press he would just like to be left alone and focus on his health. Some Uh neighbors later admitted that while they testified that Enrique was dangerous, he was not as bad as they had painted him out to be in the trial, and they said their priority was to avoid Salvador's life being ruined by this. Hmm. I don't know how Spanish courts work, but if witnesses later say, (laughs) I wasn't totally truthful. It's perjury. (laughs) It's not a good thing. That's a crime. It is a crime. Worldwide. Mm-hmm. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> the tavern owner in 2021 said, quote, we already saved Salvador. Enrique can rest in peace now. And he said that they no longer speak badly of Enrique. Today, Salvador is 43 years old and has been cancer free for 20 years. Oh, nice. Huh. That is the umbrella crime. Uh, I didn't know it was called the umbrella crime, but that is the umbrella fitting. crime. What is umbrella in Spanish? It's been how many years since I took <laughs> Spanish? Regen that's it in German, and nobody asked. <laughs> okay. I'll just have several seats. <laughs> Sombria. So, I'm just kidding, Sarah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maria. <laughs> I'm obviously kidding. But I read that story, and I thought it was intriguing, because first, the underdog came out of nowhere and secondly i still don't know how he was able to stab him that hard twice that accurately i don't think i would do very good in a fight so i feel like he'd be like me and just like flail and like do everything you could and that's how he described it he's like i was flailing i wasn't thinking Mm -hmm. so like to hit it twice i don't know i think what i i think he probably hit it the first time he dropped and i think maybe he did it the second time when he was down but who knows what are your thoughts? Oh my god, was I asked? <laughs> oh, stop. You can I tell think. me in English, please. <laughs> That's I want to understand to it in German. Uh, I think I think the first time may have been accidental. The second time may have been intentional. But like I said, if it were me, right. I'd like to think that I would probably be doing anything in my power to make sure that this person's not going to attack me. For sure. Again. Absolutely. You do a, it's like from, um, what's it called? Zombieland? What is that movie? I don't actually think I've seen They talk about doing a kill shot, so... Yeah. You shoot a zombie once, oh, yeah. you do a kill shot to Walk make sure they're dead. definitely dead. Sure. Uh, he did a kill stab. With the sombrea. The tip. <laughs> With just the tip. Just the, you gotta get more than the tip in there to get the brain penetrated. Penetrate the brain. Well, they penetrated the bone, which the bone fragments it made it sound like it hit the brain. I don't know. I mean, you gotta go... You gotta go deep. And honestly... So it's got to be probably uh, lower, lower in the school, kind of where your your most important functions are. Because up higher in the school, yeah. you can still breathe and move, and like your brain stem. That's you're just you're talking about. Yeah, you can't, you know, think for yourself. Yeah. But lower in the school, you can no longer breathe for yourself if you get it low enough. What your he, brain stem. I was gonna say your brain stem though is down, like by your neck, isn't it? Yes, mm-hmm. which is why I thought you meant he was coming. I thought. He came from the back. Or um, he went up and twisted down. Theory number two, he (laughs) stuck it in far enough to get an artery, and the artery ruptured. And then that's just an immense, like, very quick. Massive head bleed. Massive bleed. That's probably it. would then put pressure on the brainstem, and then you cannot survive. Yeah. 
That sounds more like it. Mm-hmm. Not the up and down. I'm an honorary detective, so <laughs> that's probably you what happened. Figured that case out quicker than they did. <laughs> I've been practicing. Strong work. I've been reading lots of uh, mystery thriller novels, and mm. I feel like I figured them out a lot quicker than I should. So, a little armchair detective. Yes. That is the story of the umbrella crime. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials linked from there. Or you can send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it really does help. All right, guys. Thanks so much. (laughs) We'll catch you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. Bye.